We're going to go to Genesis chapter 22 tonight. If you will, please, in your Bible, the book of Genesis, in chapter number 22. <clears throat> and then keep your Bible handy throughout the message. We're going to, we're going to go back and forth just a little bit in the book of Genesis. We'll, we'll not get out of the book of Genesis, but we're, we're going to look at some different chapters <clears throat> as we continue on in the series of Scarlet Thread. Uh, the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Mercy. Don't know where we would be without it. We'd all be in a mess, wouldn't we? For sure. For sure. Genesis chapter number 22. And look at verse number 1. Genesis 22, 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Let me stop there for just one second. When it says there that he tempted Abraham, God has never tempted anyone to do wrong. God doesn't tempt us to do wrong. And there's a difference between a tempting and a testing. And many times in our Christian life, God will test us, won't he? He puts us through tests. Somebody say amen there. He does. He, he does that. He puts us through tests to see how devoted we might be to Him, to see if we're going to keep our commitments that we have made to Him. Well, why does He do that? Because He's trying to strengthen us. And He wants to know that we have that reverential fear of Him. A reverential fear that God is God. He's the one that keeps our heart beating. And so there's times that he will put us to the test. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because every time we pass such a test, it makes us stronger in the Lord. And we all need a little bit more of that, don't we? We do. So anyway, okay. Verse number two. <clears throat> and he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a, for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. 
And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. <clears throat> I titled the message for tonight, Jesus, the Savior of good sinners too. Jesus, the Savior of good sinners too. Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, help us now as only you can. We're trusting you for that. Speak to us and speak through us. Might your will be done, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. Please do be seated. <clears throat> we know this for a fact. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden... It messed up everything. It messed up everything. Man's relationship with God and, with, 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 and their relationship with each other, Adam and Eve, it changed for the worse. And you think about this, childbirth, home, family, and work all fell under the curse of sin. And so instead of, uh, instead of being better enlightened like the devil had promised, the sin they committed ended up depriving them of so very much of the good of God's original creation. <clears throat> and by the time we get to Genesis chapter 22, excuse me, 2,000 years have gone by. 2,000 years. And in those two eras, sins multiplied. Uh, violence and corruption became very, very commonplace in this world. In Genesis chapter 6, God's description of what he had created and called good is now, uh, uh, is, is now described in these terms. The wickedness of man was great in the earth. Chapter 6, verse 5. And the earth was filled with violence. Chapter 6, verse 11. So God, being the gracious God he is, and hoping to give mankind a second chance, decided, um, he decided on the destruction of the human race with a flood. So the world was given a fresh start with four families. Noah and his wife, along with his sons and their wives. And these were families of faith. How can you say that, preacher? Because they had believed God's warning concerning the flood and built an ark. They'd never seen rain before. God told them it was going to rain. They was like, what's that? But God said, you need to build this ark. And so, I mean, by faith, they just started building this ark. And... They came out of the ark after all of that without spending too much time there. They came out of the ark with a chance to build a better world. It, didn't up going, it, didn't, it did not end up going so well, though, did it? I mean, we think about very quickly here. Noah got drunk. Um, his son Ham did something so perverse that it, that it caused Noah to curse him. And then... On with civilization and armed with the power of government, the descendants of Noah eventually tried to establish the first one world government under a man named Nimrod. 
And together they made their first attempt at establishing a one world religion at a place called Babel where they were going to build a tower that would reach up to heaven. And God refusing to allow men to continue in that direction, um, a direction that really would cost him his soul, um, refusing to do that, he came down in judgment and he confused the languages of the people and scattered the human race all over the face of the earth. So this period of human history from the fall of man unto the Tower of Babel, it demonstrates a very important truth, really. <clears throat> and that, that is this. Judgment is not the answer to the problem of sin. Okay, <clears throat> so I put too much in there. <clears throat> uh, God brought down judgment on the world in the way of rain, didn't he? Come on, flooded the whole world. Absolutely so. If we can't believe that, we're going to have a hard time believing a lot of things that God did. Judgment upon the whole world, except for those that were in the ark. Judgment. Gave mankind a chance to start again. Didn't work. So it proves to us that judgment isn't the answer to the problem of sin. Okay, here's what I'm saying. Judgment cannot fix what is broken in man at the fall, what was broken in man at the fall. Judgment can't fix that. It's not going to happen. Men, mankind cannot be reformed. Mankind needed to be rescued. The fallen man with their sinful nature, they need a savior. And with that fact established for the sake of the fallen world, God implemented phase two of his plan of redemption. And step one of this plan, phase two, centered on a man named Abram or Abraham. And in this message, we're going to try to watch how God's plan unfolds, continuing with this scarlet thread uh, that runs all the way through the Bible. So with that thought, turn back to chapter number 12. <clears throat> chapter 12. In chapter number 12, we see God's call of Abraham. Look at verse number 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God's call of Abram was really very strikingly gracious. Um, and of course, it was initiated by God. The, the, the suddenness of the introduction, now the Lord said, it really tells us that this encounter with God was, was totally unexpected. I mean, right out of the blue, I mean, like a lightning coming out of even a cloudless sky, God kept this appointment with Abraham, and it was an appointment, please get this, it's a, it was an appointment that only God had known about. Abraham didn't know it was coming. It was kind of like, uh, it was kind of like me when God began to deal, deal with my heart as a wicked sinner. I didn't know it was coming. Oh, come on, right out of the blue, he began to deal with my heart. You people that are saved ought to say something in here tonight, I guarantee you. Because if that never happened to you, you never knew Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because he deals with us in here first, doesn't he? And brings us to that place. Yeah, it's out of the blue. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't me. I wasn't looking for him. He came looking for me. Thank God for it. Absolutely so. 
And really what happens here defies explanation. Because Abraham's country was the Ur of the Chaldees. We find that back in chapter 11. And Ur of the Chaldees was known for its worship of an idol, the moon god. And because of God's judgment at Babel, the human race abandoned, really abandoned its attempt to establish this one world religion, but replaced it with a variety of religions. And all of them were wrong. All of them were wrong. Any religion started by man, by any man, besides Jesus Christ himself, it's wrong. So Abraham, get this now, Abraham being there out of the Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham was a practicing pagan. Come on, now Joshua chapter 24, 2 tells us Abraham came from a long line of families that served other gods, what the Bible says. They served, no, no, he's a long line of families that served other gods. So Abraham himself was pagan, you know, kind of like you were before you got saved. Sure. So Abraham was a sinner. He was a sinner. He was a pagan. He was an idolater when God intervened. And he did so, God did so not to judge him, but to save him. He didn't come down. No, no, not to judge him, but to save him. Look, we should have no problem at all identifying with this. Because in our lost condition, we weren't looking for God. But there came a time when he stepped into our world, and it was evidence that he was looking for us. And, 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 uh, we who he has saved know that God deserves our praise. Because it was an act of grace that he did so. And it was very generous too. God, pouring this out on a pagan. I want you to get this. This is good stuff. Verse number three, very generous. God says to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So everything that God promised to do for Abraham was far, far more than Abraham or even the whole world deserved. I mean, God was very, very gracious, generous. So he's going to give Abraham a land, a place in which to make a fresh start with God. And he's going to make a great nation of Abraham. His family will be the seed from which the multitudes of families would come into the world. And Abraham, because of God, will become a channel of blessing to this whole world. In seeking to save Abraham, this is really amazing. In seeking to save Abraham, God was planning to bless all the other families across the globe. All, no, no, all the families that were separated from God by their sin. He, was, he had this long-term plan. And he planned to do it through the seed of Abraham. John 3 16 the Bible states that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to save us that's why he gave his son to save us from our sin and the first major step to fulfill that plan was the call of Abraham and uh, I don't know about you but I, I like to think about this I like to think about God's patience with Abraham A very great lesson that we can learn from the life of Abraham is that God doesn't give up on his followers when they stumble and fall. He doesn't give up. No. He continues to patiently work through their stumbles and through their falls to keep them moving forward on the path of faith. 
God had made great promises to Abraham. And for the next 25 years, God had to teach Abraham that his word was his bond. He was never going to leave Abraham or forsake him. He worked with him for 25 years. Well, how come, preacher? Because Abraham had to learn to believe what God said. Oh, come on. Look, look, look up here. Look, sometimes we, we get to thinking that these people in the Bible, you know, man, they were just special. And I, boy, they just, once God spoke to them, man, everything was just good. And everything was just right. Uh, no. They were sinners. Just like you and I are sinners. And they had their problems. Okay, turn over to chapter 15. <clears throat> chapter 15. Abraham had to learn to believe what God said. Have you ever been reading your Bible and you know and a promise comes by and you think, well, that's probably for somebody else, but I don't see how God would do that for me. Am I the only one that has a lack of faith like that? Anyway, okay. Chapter 15, verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, Lord God, what, what will that give me? Seeing I go childless, and, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bow shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. And tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Listen, verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, Abram did, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham was struggling uh, with doubting his faith. Okay. <clears throat> Somebody might say, well, what in the world is going on in Abraham's life that caused this struggle? Well, we know this. We just looked at it. God had promised to make him a great nation. And Abraham and Sarah had not even had their first child. And so he's struggling with this. And Abraham's growing in wealth. I mean, Bible readers, you know what? He's growing in wealth. And unless something changed, it would be his servant and not a son that inherited it at all. Because Ishmael's got there. So... Get this, get this, get this. No, no, there's something very positive here. Oh, what can we see that's positive with Abraham's complaint to God like that? Well, it shows us that the promises of God matter to Abraham. They matter to him. He wants to believe in them. He, he wants to see these promises fulfilled. And somebody might be thinking, well, why is that so very important? Because it reminds us that belief and unbelief are often going on at the same time in our hearts. Okay, have you ever felt like that before? Uh, okay, it seemed like somewhere I read, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Sometimes it's just like that, isn't it? Come on, we want to believe God. For all of the promises, all he, wants to, all he wants to do with us, where he's leading us, we want to believe that. But sometimes belief and unbelief seem to intertwine in our lives, don't they? 
and we have to be we have to be we have to be mindful. So God patiently encouraged Abraham just to believe him. We read that in verse four through six. So what what two things did God do to strengthen Abraham's faith? Well, it's really a great thing because God tells Abraham first off that he is going to be the father of his heir. That he's not going to remain childless. I mean, he tells him. I mean, that's what he says. I don't even have a child yet. But he tells him, first off, you are going to have a child. Uh, I'm going to take care of, of that. And then God shows Abraham what he has already done. What do you mean, preacher? He filled the star, uh, sky with stars. Come on, he takes him out. <laughs> he says, look up. No, he showed him, he, no, 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 no. He, he, he showed him that as evidence of what he was going to do. I mean, fill Abraham's future with seed. <clears throat> Sometimes I think that we think things like that are just too simple. Well, preacher, you know, ever since I was born, the stars have been up there. Right. But God is the one that placed them up there. And he's the one that keeps him up there. And he's the one that makes everything work perfect in harmony and in all of our universe. Absolutely. And I'm telling you what, you get to, you, no, 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 no. You begin doubting God. It's good just to go outside sometime and just look up. And see what God has already done that's just absolutely miraculous. So Abraham responded with faith in the Lord. I love verse number 6. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Come on. I, I'm really. I, I want to I get rolling. Abraham had to learn. We don't like this. Abraham had to learn to wait on God. To do what he promised. Okay. Turn over to chapter 17. <clears throat> he had to learn to wait on God to do what he promised to do. Uh, chapter 17, look on down to verse number 18. Chapter 17, verse 18. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt Call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So, Genesis 17, 18, uh, 17 verses 18 through 22 that we just read there highlights Abraham's failure. What do you mean, preacher? Thinking that time was not on his side, Abraham tried to make God's plan happen through his own effort. 
I tell you what, I, you know, if God said he was going to do this, but I mean, you know, he's got this, I got this promise, and God said he's going to do it, but I, you know, I, 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 I need to try to do some things on my own. And that pleased Abraham, but it displeased God. Abraham desperately wanted God to accept Ishmael into his plan. He desperately wanted that. Come on, we just read it. He wanted that, but God refused to do that. Because God already had a plan. He already had a plan. And still does. And we can see God's faithfulness in this because Sarah conceived and she and Abraham had a son just like God, just like God had promised. Uh, turn over to uh, chapter 21. <clears throat> chapter number 21 and verse number 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Um, his promise came through. Verse 3, And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circ circumcised his son, Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. So that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would, uh, should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Um, so Sarah conceived. And she and Abraham had a son just like God had promised. So get this, and it may seem overly simple, but really it's not. God did what he promised to do. He did what he promised to do. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if we would just really adhere to the promises of God, no matter what's going on in here, or no matter what's going on in here, and we would just act upon the Word of God, trusting the Word of God and how we're to live and what we're to do and how we're to handle things. All parts of our life, God's promises are true. And the reason that we don't see them like we would want to sometime is because we don't like to wait on God. And so too often, we just want to step up and do God's job for Him. So then we miss out on the blessing of seeing God do it. But God's promises are sure. And I love it because Abraham responded to God's faithfulness to him by being obedient in naming his son, uh, uh, over it, it tells that that, that 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 he was supposed to name his son Isaac over in Genesis 17, and in circumcising his son, he was faithful to be obedient to God. Now, <clears throat> this lesson isn't just for Abraham, because if God can be trusted to do what He says, we shouldn't hesitate to do everything He tells us to do. Oh no, no, no! That's a great statement. If God can be trusted to do what he says, then we shouldn't ever hesitate to do everything he tells us to do. Okay. 
It's pretty easy to say, well, I trust God. Until we have direction from Him that doesn't really go along with what we're thinking we want to do. Isn't that right? But if we trusted Him for our salvation... Shouldn't we be able to trust Him in every other area of our life? And we know this, without faith it's impossible to please Him. And some of the promises that are in here we have to take by faith, don't we? And the more faith that we put in Him, in Him and in His Word, the more that God seems to do. So, there we are in in chapter 21. The next chapter illustrates how deeply this realization influenced Abraham's walk with God. Because here we are back at chapter 22. So, years have passed. The child has grown. His son has grown. And then God, well, God required something of Abraham. Verse 1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. So Abraham was instructed to sacrifice to God the son he had waited 25 years for God to give him. And I know it had to be hard because what God God was asking seemed not only contrary to his promises to Abraham, but really to God's own nature. I mean, his own nature. What kind of God requires a parent to kill his child? And we have to take note that back in that day, sacrificing children was common practice with the pagans. But it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, no, no, no sense with with everything we have come to believe about God so far in Genesis. This makes no sense that God would do something like that. But we've got to notice something here because Abraham doesn't falter in a single step of launching out to do what God asked him to do. I mean, the very next verse verse says, and Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled up his donkey and was ready to go. That's pretty amazing. Because his obedience was immediate. Well, God, that's not really something, that's really not really something I want to do. Uh, that seems to be a pretty common statement made today as God deals with people's hearts, doesn't it? Come on, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying it, it really is. You know, God, God wants somebody to surrender him. Well, that's not really what I want to do. God wants somebody to give up something. Well, that's not really what I want to do. God wants somebody to do something. That's not really what I want to do. God tells us to go in the world and preach gospel to every creature. Well, that's not really something I want to do. Let somebody else do that. When, when in all rights, by all, when by all rights, because we have been bought with a price, that whatever he says that we should do, we ought to just do it. Well, just be doing it. 
I mean, He is God after all, right? Sure. And His obedience was complete all the way up to the point of preparing to plunge the knife into Isaac's chest. And it's really very evident that uh, Abraham had not expected this. He didn't expect this. No, 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 no. Verse number 8 it says, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. A lamb for a burnt offering. So they, both, so, 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 so they went, both of them, together. I mean, he believed God would provide a substitute for his son. He believed that. But he was willing to follow what God told him to do. And take those steps. Preacher, where are you going with this? You, you know, when it seemed to him that he didn't have God figured out after all, he was still prepared to do that which made no sense to him. Because he knew that somehow, some way, God would still do what he had promised to do. That's pretty great faith, isn't it? And when we learn to trust God in such a manner, we're in a good place. <clears throat> that very moment, verse 10, and Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son, that very moment with the knife hovering in the air, Abraham reaches his, um, well, the pinnacle of his faith, his journey of faith. And at that point, the atoning sacrifice was provided by God. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. <laughs> Have you ever had an unexpected call that was a real good call? I believe that one was a real good call right there. Yeah. Here am I. Yeah. But here's where, here's where the atonement comes in. Because it's very vital that we note that though God did not make Abraham go through with offering up Isaac, God still required him to sacrifice the ram. God still required him to shed blood. Blood had to be shed. And that fact teaches us three important truths about our need for atonement. Number one is this. You can't love God enough or obey God enough or give God enough to atone for your own sins. You can't do it. I'm going to say it again. Number one is this. You can't love God enough, obey God enough, or give God enough to atone for your own sins. can't do it. Blood has to be shed. When God asked Abraham to do what pagan gods frequently ask their own followers to do, Abraham willingly obeyed. He obeyed. And if nothing else, at that point, Abraham 
proved he loved the true and living God just as much as the pagans loved their idols. And yet even, get this, and even a love as great as that could not atone for Abraham's sins. Wasn't going to happen. Number two, we need an atonement that only God can provide. A heavenly, uh, a heavenly solution, not a human solution. Whatever we offer God, whatever we might offer up to God, will never be good enough. God must provide us with a lamb, and of course he has. And that God has provided a lamb for us, Jesus Christ, means that we need it. Oh, come on, remember John the Baptist? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We need it. And then number three, what God did allow Abraham to do, uh, I'm sorry, did not allow Abraham to do, God did. What do you mean, preacher? God offered his son as a payment for our sins. So let's wrap this up. One lesson we learn from the life of Abraham, Abraham is that nothing we can do to save ourselves, there is nothing we can do to save ourselves or reconnect with God. It really doesn't matter how many good deeds we perform or how faithful we become. It really doesn't matter how many church services we attend or even how much money we give. We cannot love God enough, serve God enough, give God enough, or obey God enough to bridge the gap between us and God that sin has caused. We can't. So it does not matter how good a sinner makes himself, there is only one way back to God, and that's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham was a good man. But Jesus is the Savior of good sinners too. Well, I'm a good person. Okay. I, I go to church. Okay. You know, I put, I put money in the offering plate. It's good. Good trade. Yeah. Yeah. I read my Bible some. Okay. All right. I help people. That's a good thing. I'm nice to people. That's all. That's great. All those are great. They're all, all great. But even good sinners need a Savior. Yeah. So as we continue to trace the scarlet thread through the Bible, I, I believe we really will come to discover that every thread of hope we have in Jesus from eternal life to victorious Christian living is tied to the scarlet thread of the blood of Christ. Everything. <clears throat> oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. 
Oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. Yeah. I'm thankful for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your only begotten Son to pay the penalty for sin on that old rugged cross so many years ago. I thank him, Lord, for shedding his lifeblood for someone like me, that I might come to know you in a free pardon of sin, be able to call you my Father, my Heavenly Father, someone that's always there for me. And I look forward to that time, Lord, that um, I'll take my last breath and spend eternity with you. But until that time, help me to be obedient. Lord, ready to do whatever you would have me to do. Lord, just following your promises and trusting that you're always there. Help me to take your promises to heart. Lord, take that, have that willingness to take a step. I mean a step just at your word. Father, bless this time around the altar. We pray and thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. Some have already come to pray. You need to come. I'm not going to take long. God spoke to your heart. You let God have his way. Maybe you just need to come up and ask God to help you trust him more. Maybe you just need to come and ask him to help you be more obedient. Maybe you need to come and talk to him and just thank him for a while that he saved your soul. Maybe you need to come because you're not saved. We'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can have that all settled. <clears throat> Whatever it is that God would have you to do tonight, please, please just obey God. Just obey him. Whatever he wants.